Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. And the reason why is because, see, in, in high school, they prepare you for the workforce. Because you have to get up in the morning at between five and six to get ready to go to work. Then you work all day. And then sometimes you may have to work overtime. That's the sports. And then <laughs> and then you go home and then you you tired. But see, and then what they don't tell you is, oh, yeah, when you actually start working, you don't have spring break. You don't have summer vacation. <laughs> They don't tell you all of this, okay? <laughs> and and it did it 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 didn't help for me that my first my very first job was at a at a private school. So the first year outside of college, I mean outside of high school, my first year outside of high school, I still had my regular schooling schedule. And then I started working for a lady from the school. And when summer break came, I was like, okay, well, I'll see y'all. And my boss was like, wait, what you mean? It's like, I'll see y'all in August. And she's like, no, baby, you work now. 
this is year round. <laughs> it broke my heart. Mind y'all, I was 17. I was 18. I was 17 when I started working. I was 18 <laughs> when this happened. And it was a culture shock for me. I remember that first summer, <laughs> you know, after high school, first summer of my first year of college that I worked in the summer and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just, you know, and so I tried to cut it short. So I had, you know, some weeks, um, I took over a lady who her job, so she could be with her kids in the summer, you know, it was her full time. And so me, that's what I was studying. So I went in and did her job for the summer, but I miss, I felt like I was missing out. You know, and I, you know, that first job you have too, you're really tired. It's like, it's a long day. It really is. And then my crazy, my crazy tale, uh, <laughs> discovered going out. Uh oh, yeah. Yeah. Then you'd be out late. I never did that. Uh, I wasn't into that scene. Even in college, the whole door would be empty and I'd be sitting in my room. I discovered that the club is open Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. <laughs> well, this is a lesson in um, let's be entrepreneurs instead of worrying for someone else, right? Man. Pick your schedules. <sighs> that's, I think that's what did it, Miss Susan. I think that's what did it. But then, it, and that slid me into, now we're going to, we're, we're sliding into what we're talking about today because being, being at work and having that schedule and not being able to control what I did during the day because I had to work because at the age of 20, had my own apartment because I was grown and I didn't like like Miss Susan said I didn't like that so because I couldn't control what I did on a daily day-to-day basis or I felt like I couldn't control it I became a perfectionist since I can't control that I'm gonna control the house I'm gonna control my relationship so my, my house had to be perfect. My relationship had to be perfect. I was one of those people that <clears throat> um, Antonio said it before. He said, he'll tell me, go do that OCD thing you do. Well, it's not that it was actually OCD. It was actually the fact of I didn't control anything else in my life. So what I can control, I'm going to overkill. So the house was bleached, the rug, the the carpet was um, vacuumed, but it had the lines had to, you know, it had to look like that fresh vacuum look with the lines in it, you know, you know, you know, like the fresh cut grass with the fresh cut, the fresh vacuum rug. Step on it. And then you can, my mom would do that. And then we weren't allowed in there. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Walk around on air? She literally wouldn't let us step on the carpet. <laughs> but then not only not only that, the dishes had to be put up a certain way. 
the bathroom had to be clean. Yeah, Grace. The, the so I had mm, I had the 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 cabinet. The, these certain glasses went here. These certain glasses went here. This size plate went here. This size plate went here. All the plastic cups were up here or down. Our plastic cups were down here. All of my cups were up here and they were up here. So nobody else would touch them. Everybody always reaches for what's closest to them. My cups are up here. Don't touch my cups. I don't care if I have 25 cups and all the other ones is dirty. Go wash one out. Don't touch my cups. They mine. Because I collect cups. I like cups. Especially the big cups that you could eat soup out of too, or ice cream or cereal like the one I have in my hand. Yeah, those kind of cups. Then the closet had to be organized a certain way. All of the jeans in one section, all of the all of the slacks in one section then my shirts it was the dress shirts and then they were organized by color then there were the t-shirts they were organized by color and then there were the cute shirts ladies y'all know what I mean when I say cute shirts and they were all organized by color so my the perfectionism in my head stemmed from not being able to not having control over things that I felt like I should have control over. So I know I can control this. So since I'm going to control this, it's going to be perfect. Then my perfectionism came from the fact that I didn't, I felt a certain way about myself. So I had to portray a certain image of perfectionism. So no one saw my flaws. And we live in a culture of perfectionism and it can be harmful to us. Um, perfect story. Don is eight. And he, we had an incident at school. He got upset. He threw some scissors on his desk. And they just so happened to bounce up and hit a little girl in her forehead. Now, first off, that's a problem. Secondly, the fact that he threw the scissors was a problem. But third, his anger level, I had that's what I wanted to get to the bottom of. Why did you get so angry? Because Gracie almost did a Jesus. Actually, no, he did do a Jesus. He flipped the desk too. But not in that way. <laughs> so I asked him questions. I, I I had a few different conversations with him because I addressed each one of those that I just addressed with you with uh, that I just told you guys. I addressed each of them. But the one that I want to point out is why he got so angry. Now, first off, mommy knows his anger comes from mommy epigenetics it is real okay i am sitting here and telling you that epigenetics is real my son came out with anger problems his he came out pissed i have the pictures to prove it okay <laughs> his facial expression was the is going on he just he just got this look like I won't be here. 
the hell <laughs> you know how long i suffered up in there <laughs> because the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck so he'd been trying to come out for like a whole day and couldn't come out so he so whatever and that's the other thing that i, I i've been trying to see is like what trauma did he experience because of that very thing so not only was he dealing with the epigenetics of mommy got anger issues and ready to fly off at everybody but then whatever trauma he went through trying to come out of the canal, but get choked every time he tried to come out, I know that was trauma in itself. And for, and for a long time, it was hard to put shirts over him or take them off of him because when they got stuck and they covered his face, he spazzed out. But that anger, trauma or not, he was coming with that anger and that's what I wanted to get to the bottom of. So I asked him, I said, what made you so angry that you threw the scissors? And he told me, he said, I was cutting something out and I was doing it perfectly. Then I messed up and I cut inside the line into where I colored and it made me angry. And at that point, I knew that whatever perfectionism issues I had, I just automatically passed it down to him. And I, I sat there with him. I said, mommy wants you to repeat something because I understood at that point that came from me. And said, repeat after mommy. Nothing is perfect. And he repeated it and repeated it, but he was repeating it because mommy said, but mommies know, well, parents know when kids finally catch something. So I had him keep repeating it and keep repeating it. Oh, I, I had him repeat, it's okay to not be perfect. That's what I had him repeat. And when he finally got it, I let it go. No, I let that aspect go because we addressed the other stuff. It's, that wasn't sliding. That was not sliding. But he was so on being perfect and doing it perfectly that he instantly got angry. And that wasn't the first time that happened. The second time it happened, he was playing games and he was getting every, <clears throat> they were playing a game in class and he was getting every answer right. And the moment he got the wrong answer, he flipped out because he wasn't perfect. So perfectionism, there's no such thing as being perfect. There really isn't. And when you try to be perfect, it is absolutely harmful to your well-being. And there's no way that you can transcend inconsistency by being perfect. Because there is no perfection in inconsistency. It's inconsistency. There's no way. There's no freaking way <laughs> you can be perfect in inconsistency. So how can we resist the pressures? And create this culture that celebrates growth and progress instead of this, this perfectionism that we can't reach. 
one of the things that we can do is educate ourselves. The first thing we can do is educate ourselves. But let's talk. Let's talk. How many of you deal with perfectionism? Well, I'm going to say suffer with perfectionism because you ain't dealing with it. Yeah, me too, Grace. Me too. Oh, was y'all, who who was the kid who, when you were doing your homework and you messed up one time and erased it, and because it didn't completely erase, you ripped the paper and started all over again? Me. Okay, thank you. I'm so, I'm so grateful. I'm not alone on that one. Um, now the one thing that I have not done because I figured out how to maneuver that is when I'm cooking a meal and I mess up, I used, I'm not going to lie. If I had extra ingredients, I would throw, throw away what I messed up and start over, but I don't do that now. I just get creative. I bake the whole cake and put the icing ingredients inside of the cake and didn't realize I did it did not real it was this it was my very first seven of pound cake so the it so the pound cake and the ice the pound cake had the the tanginess of the icing inside of it i mean it was good shoot (laughs) it was still good but that's how i've learned to cope with my perfectionism i just get creative and do something else So what do so for those of you who okay if you if you say you you are a perfectionist how do you oh go ahead Trinace before I can even finish the question thank you go ahead hold on I got somebody at my window I was I was just about to say she probably can't. <laughs> Well, until she comes back. I have I have had to, well, the first thing I had to do is I had to stop lying to myself and tell myself, Deanna, no, you're not perfect. You are not flawless. You're fabulously flawed. And that's okay. You are perfectly imperfect, and that is okay. And then I had to come to grips with being imperfect. I mean, I was the golden child. I was the first child for my parents, the first grandchild for my mama's parents, the baby for my daddy's parents. And then all of my mom and dad's, well, all of my dad's friends, like who were men, like I was the niece. And because they, because of the relationship with my dad, I was spoiled rotten by them too. Like I had all these, I had all these uncles who just thought I was just the bee's knees. And then I had my mama. I was the first child. She straight told me I wanted you. I was ready for you. And if you, <laughs> and if you, if any of you know, if when someone say I wanted you, yeah, you was, you was made on purpose. Okay. <laughs> You was made with intent. (laughs) So here I am, the intentional baby. (laughs) No offense to my brother, but (laughs) I'm the intentional baby. You know, 
I'm the golden child. And then I was just huh? intentional. And then on top of that, I'm my, I'm my grandparents' first. Like, I got the honor of naming my grandparents for the rest of the cousins to follow. Like, huh? and then, no offense to my other uncles and aunts, but my mama was my grandfather's favorite child, which made me the favorite grandchild. I mean, come on, like, it was just in my favor, y'all. It was just in my favor. So I couldn't do no wrong. <laughs> I couldn't do no wrong, okay? And growing up, and growing up with the mindset of I'm perfect. I can't do no wrong. When you, when you, do you know what that does to the mind of a narcissist? Like, I'm the bees, knees, honey, and combs, okay? You bow down to me. And then he came my brother. And that's when the true me came out. Because you taking my shine. Wait a minute. Every time I walk in the room, everybody happy to see me. But now when I walk in the room, they ask me where my brother is. Oh, you got me messed up. So that, that, that mindset growing up created this ego that I'm perfect. So since I'm perfect, everything I touch is perfect. And I have to control everything because I'm perfect. See, I'm taking perfectionism in a whole nother way because we don't really think about the mindset behind perfectionism. There are some who have mental conditions where they have to do certain things a certain way. My cousin has a mental condition to where he cannot touch doorknobs. So you have some people who have a mental condition where things have to be a certain way. Like when we were talking about desk, Mr. Phil, he has the pile system. He told us that. But me, I told y'all, I know when somebody moves my stapler. That can't be healthy. Not in a work environment. So if you are, so if you, if you are an entrepreneur, can you imagine how that culture of perfectionism is affecting your work environment? Does it, does, does it allow for your employees to, be, to have the freedom to be themselves? Does it allow for the pile system? Does it allow for, for them to be able to take a break and go meditate if need be? Does, does it allow for the culture of your company to, does it allow for change? Because if you're a perfectionist in your business and someone comes to you with feedback about something that they got, are you going to be open to receive this feedback that could possibly make your business greater?
in the culture of perfectionism, there's no such thing. We live in an inconsistent life and perfectionism will knock you off your horse every time. So I'm going to pass it to you guys. For those of you who are perfectionists, for those of you who know perfectionists, and you, y'all, and y'all know, y'all know, y'all know, y'all know, when you walk in their house, they're like, take your shoes off, don't sit on the couch. You know, if you move the couch two inches, they come behind you and move it back all because you accidentally bumped it. When you put the, the dish in the wrong side of the sink, they come right behind you and put it on the right side or they clean it and put it up and you sit here like, dude, I I, I just finished. I'll come back to that. Go ahead. Okay. So when you said the handwriting thing, I do. I do. I do. I do. And I can't write on blank paper either. So um, I have to draw like these little flowers on it and then I can write. But the other thing about the writing is I will start off clear, nice handwriting. But when it starts getting messy, I know that's a, uh, me processing whatever it is I'm trying to write down. So I usually will stop and then maybe do something and come back to it. Because then at that point, my brain is clear and then I can write again. And then I throw the whole paper away because I, now the idea is clear, so I can go about, back and write the whole idea in nice handwriting. I thought I was the only one that did that. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> like, I really, I, there are pages on here that, that, there are pages that I've ripped out of my tablet. I have a tablet that I write in every day. Helps me keep in line with what I've completed. Because at the end of the day, when I go look at it, I can either commend myself or cuss myself out. If I got one or two things on that paper, I need to cuss myself out because that means I was not productive. But if I have like 15 things on there and then I go back and I look at those 15 things to see what they were to see if I was just being busy or if I was being productive. And then sometimes I start the day off and, and I don't like how it looks. So instead of erasing it, I rip the page out and I start over. So thank you, Trinace. Thank you. So the other thing, I texted Antonio yesterday. I thought he, I know he thought I was crazy, but I used to have these one authentic woman wristband. I got like hundreds of them. And the way that I used to use them is I would put start the, I would write down what I wish to accomplish. It takes 21 days to create a new habit, good or bad. So I put the wristband on and I focus on what that habit is. And I pay attention to what that habit is that I'm trying to correct. And if I do that thing, I switch the wrist. And I mean, I got to start all over again, 21 days, start again. So it helps me focus on what my goal is and every time I air quote mess up then I just switch the wrist and start all over now I actually like that concept I don't think that's perfectionism though but I like that concept because you're retraining that's your way of retraining yourself but the perfectionism thought comes in down now I gotta start all over 
<laughs> no, I get it. Don't nobody would have thought over. <laughs> but I do like that concept, though. You should definitely teach that one day. And how you do it. Because for some people, they need like a visual. They need like a visual reminder. and But for some people, they can just go about it. Oh, oh, it's purple. Hey, purple. Sorry, that's my favorite. It's one of my favorite colors, purple and blue. But okay. then the other, the other part of it is, um, like you said, people need a visual. I have this ring. I haven't worn it in a while because my hands have gotten a little bit too fat. But I wear the ring because it's a reminder to be my best self every day. And whatever my best self is today, that's just it today. It could be better tomorrow. It could be worse tomorrow. But whatever it is, it's the best in that day. So I usually I used to wear that. I need to lose some weight so I can wear my ring. Please proceed to I do understand. <laughs> that struggle is real. I do understand. I, 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 so I love that. I love that the, I love the band thing. I'm gonna have to consider that too. So when it comes to perfectionism, thank you, Trinace, for sharing that. Thank you so much. So now I'm opening, I'm opening it up to everybody. Do you consider yourself a perfectionism? a perfectionist? And if so, where do you think it started? Diana? Yes, ma'am. I had to give that up when I had three kids that were like Phil. <laughs> I don't need to laugh. <laughs> I run around like crazy. And then he's, you know, would come in from traveling and you know everything would be everywhere that he had so but my mom was a perfectionist and so I kind of got it but I didn't really like it and I don't think I've ever totally been one but I I liked I like things to look nice but I don't care if you know if it's not or when people come in I don't think about any of that I just want to have fun with them and have them have fun so I think there are versions of it. Mm. Yeah, and maybe select things, but sounds like you are an all out perfectionist. And I don't know if you still are or if you've let it go. I've been slowly letting it go. Um, the kid helps. <laughs> the kid helps because you cannot, you cannot be a perfectionist with the kid but what triggered it what really triggered it was um when his dad told me I don't feel like I live here I just feel like I'm a guest visiting that's when I knew I was doing too much because the how the entire house had to be a certain way so every part of that house was me so when he said, even, you know, you know, everybody has that, that end table next to the bed that there is their junk, their junk spot. I used to clean his because I couldn't stand looking at it. It was like, it's, it's too much, but there was nothing wrong 
with his junk spot. It's his. It's our house. It's his junk spot. But when he told me, he said, I don't even feel like I live here. I just feel like I'm visiting. That did something to me and it let me know, okay, Deanna, you're doing too much. You need to let up. So I let his junk spot be his junk spot. And it would be junky for weeks, months. And then one day I got off of work and it was clean. I was like, oh, you cleaned your junk spot. He said, yeah. He said the rest of the house was clean. And I didn't like how it looked compared to the rest of the house. I would have had to clean it up. But it was on his, it was on his own will. It wasn't because I forced him to. It wasn't because I was being the perfectionist and everything had to be perfect. That that's what triggered, that's what triggered it. And then with Dawn, nothing's perfect with the kids. You're never the perfect mom. You're never the I, I can't even begin to explain trying to be a perfectionist with kids. It is impossible. <laughs> they have their own personality. You you can't control the personality of another person. He's not a kid. He's not a blank slate. He came out with a personality. So trying to control him is like somebody trying to tell me, sit down, shut up, don't move. And I'm like, what you're not going to do is tell me what to do. You ain't doing that. So it, it's it's gotten a lot better. It's gotten a lot better. Now it's, but I had to understand within myself that you're not perfect. You put on this air of perfectionism because you don't want anybody to see your flaws. So I had to, I had to come, come to that to be okay with being perfectly imperfect. That's the best perfectionism ever for me. And it's just being perfectly imperfect and being okay with that. When did that happen, Deanna? When did you come to those terms? Ooh, over the last maybe couple of years. It took me that long to get to a point where, okay, it's, and it was a journey. Like I'm still on that journey with being okay with being imperfect. Because I was taught, this is how you are at home. This is how you are in public. You show perfection in public and you let it all out at home. So now it's, there is no home me. There is no public me. There's just me. And it took me a while to get to that point because I was still in that teaching of what goes on in his house, stay in his house. So if I cuss you out at home, when we go out in public, we're going to be the perfect couple. Don't play with me. That happened at home. Don't nobody need to know. Or I need help. But I'm perfect. Perfect people don't ask for help. So suffer in this silence and figure it out for yourself. And don't ask for help because if you ask for help, then it shows you're imperfect. I'm to a point now, I I, I reached out to Grace and asked for help. I was going to reach out to Melissa and ask for help on something too. But before I got to her, me and Antonio talked and he said, no, just let it be like that. I was like, shh, 
you ain't said nothing but a word. <laughs> like, man, you just made this process like 50% faster. But it, but I'm learning now to ask for help because to me, help is weakness and weakness is imperfection. And we are not doing that. So it took me, it took me about a year and a half to two years to get to this point. It really did. And it's been a journey. Let me tell y'all something. That dash in between the beginning and the end is that is a mother. Ooh. So who else, who who else has who else has dealt with this culture of perfectionism? And how have you resisted the pressure of perfectionism? Or how have you worked through your your professionism issues? The floor is open. Um, well, my perfectionism always goes back to, I don't like looking stupid. If I look stupid, I look weak. You're not going to, you're not going to humiliate, humiliate me in front of everybody if you look like, no, I'm not doing that. What are, what are we doing? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, no, not today. I just, I, I, I just didn't. I didn't like that, and I because I didn't like how that made me feel, you know. And it was, uh, uh, it was one day I was at home, and I was thinking on something, and then I left out of the room, and my mom and dad were still in there, and dad was mocking what I said, and he didn't know I heard it, and I was like, oh, okay, so we won't speak proper anymore. I'll speak like I'll speak like that. The rest of y'all do it this out, you know. So. Yeah, so I started speaking proper or proper English, you know. So yeah, I didn't I didn't like how that made me feel. So okay, and um, I I understand what Dawn definitely is coming from with the anger. <laughs> My poor baby, I so, did him dirty, Grace. I did him dirty. Yeah. Um, and now that I think about it, I think my anger came from you made me look stupid. I got mad. And so, yeah, no, you're not going to make me look stupid. So <laughs> that's what anger came. I just got that today. So, yeah, that is where my anger came from. I don't like, no, uh, I'm smart. You know, I'm not saying I'm the smartest, but. You know, I am smart and I'm not dumb, so don't make me feel that way. You know. But that's that's where it came from. I'm I'm I am I am working on it and because the honest tells me all the time, you're relaxed. It's okay. You ain't gotta be no. <laughs> it's okay. Stop being serious. Stop being serious on the time. Take a joke. It's okay. But yeah. So do you mind if I ask some questions? Good, okay. Hey, real quickly, so I can take put um uh, Antonio's date on my calendar. I bought my ticket last night, and I'm at work, and I want to take the day off. So um, what day? The seventeenth. It's a Thursday. Okay. Oh, and Grace, if you can drop the link for anybody else who want to get go ahead and get their tickets, it's August seventeenth. 
and you will receive uh, your streaming link three days before the conference starts. Sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. Don't apologize. Please don't apologize. Thank you. August 17th is a Thursday. Oh, it's actually two weeks from today, y'all. Who is going to be fly? Look, I'm excited. Oh, okay. So here's the other thing. I used to get angry with Antonio because I enjoy being his student. But when I'm putting in a, put in a work capacity, like to take notes or anything like that, or to record or anything like that, I felt like it was pulling me away from being a student. So I used to get angry at him because you're, you're taking away from me learning. You're taking away from my perfection as a student. And that bothered the crap out of me. But now it's to let me take these. Well, actually, no, that's not what it is. Um, when Grace takes notes, I absolutely love Grace's notes. And the narcissist, egotistical narcissist in me, Grace, and I've never said this to Grace before. The, the egotistical narcissist in me used to get upset because I realized Grace took better notes than me. But all throughout school, I was told I was the best note taker. So Grace is taking this perfection from me because I'm the perfect note taker. But then I sat back and I was like, wait a minute. That shit is organized. <laughs> it's like, shoot, her notes better than mine. So I wait until now. I wait for Grace's notes. <laughs> so I can take. And then, I don't know if Grace noticed, I started trying to take notes like Grace because her notes are perfectly structured. Like she'll have, y'all have seen her notes that she posts. She'll have like what the what the subject we talked about the points in the subject and then the points within the points i'm like dang how should get all of that in perfect order because man my notes be my notes are like my brain uh, and that's the uh, <laughs> grace knows how my brain is y'all that's why she laughed so hard <laughs> like my notes are like my brain like antonio will say something here and i'm like cool i got it and then he'll go and say something here and then he'll go say something here and then he'll come back and when I tell you my notes are here, 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 <laughs> and not in the structure, he just, and I, once I would, once I told myself, Deanna, you're not perfect at everything. There are people who are better than you at things and that's okay. Once I got that into my head, I actually got excited at Grace's note-taking because when I, when I can't get something or I miss something, I just go to Grace's notes because they are that perfect to me. So instead of me trying to be perfect, I embrace the perfection in someone else. And that's another way, Miss Susan, that's another way that I, I got over it. When it's something that I'm not perfect in, I embrace the perfection in someone else in that. I embrace Grace's perfect. To me, Grace's notes are perfection. Because if you ask me for notes they, this day and age, um, 
yeah, your stuff ain't gonna come out right. Y'all have seen y'all. If you go on Facebook and you pay attention to the notes, you'll notice the difference in when Grace took notes and when I took notes. There's a huge difference there. <laughs> yeah, Grace does a great job with taking the notes. Man, uh-huh. it's like a straight. It, it's like. Grace's notes are like the outline for a book. You can take her notes, put it into chat GPT, and it'll spit out chapters and bullet points. That's how good Grace's notes are. So I so instead of me sitting here and not paying attention because I'm angry at the fact that Antonio asked Grace to take all the notes because she's such a good note taker. And I should be the one taking all the notes. I embrace the fact that shh, uh, I even told Grace, I even tell Grace, Grace, I'm not taking those today. I'm just going to go back to yours. Because I embrace, to me, because her notes are perfect, I'm embracing the perfection in someone else instead of knocking myself for being imperfect. Diana? Yes, ma'am. You being a big kid and a perfectionist the big kid in you was having those feelings about others with that but now you've elevated yourself to another level so that you know even though you're a big kid and a perfectionist you've learned how to control both of them you know the big kid hey I got to get this stuff done and and I need to do it and over here you're a perfection perfectionist and you know that you need to do those things so they're it's really their conflict in each other to have both of those is very strange <laughs> <laughs> now you see my struggle business <laughs> yeah i see it i felt it i've, it. <laughs> I've embraced it. <laughs> and and that's when it's so important for you to not lie to yourself and to be completely vulnerable and authentic to yourself. So what Miss Susan just pointed out is the story of my life. Every day for as long as I can remember, there's always been a clash. I've even been told, we all know who Sheena is. I've, I've even been told by Sheena, she, she told me, she said, you're weird. She said, you hate structure, but you crave structure. She said, how is that? And it, so I, I'm like a walking conundrum. Like I'm this huge kid who doesn't, I, I, I hate rules, but I have to have rules <laughs> in place for structure. So I'm learning how to, but that's because I've been lying to myself all of my life. The moment I started being authentic with me, when in my conversations with me, was the moment I started finding some sort of balance in the inconsistencies of my life. See, to to me, there's no such thing as balance. Something's always going to be off somewhere. 
But when it comes to your mind, body, spirit complex, they each work within themselves, but you have to, you have to keep your body healthy. You have to work on your, your perception and your mindset, and you have to have a spiritual journey. Now, if you have all three, then you're on a great path, but you don't have to be perfect in all three. You just have to have, just do all three, be on the journey for all three. And when I started that journey to a journey of integrity within myself, that's when things started changing. And that book, Integrity, really slapped me upside my head. Um, if y'all have read it, if y'all have been in previous leadership classes, you know what book I'm talking about. You know, that that whole um, wish awake. How do people feel when you leave the room? I found out not everybody's happy. Not everybody hates when I leave a room. There were some people that were happy when I left a room. And that did something to me because I'm perfect. What are you talking about? So I had to, Miss Susan, I had to stop lying to myself because I hate rules. But as a big kid, I need structure and structure comes with rules. But the older I get and the more I follow Antonio's teachings, the more I realize I don't need structure. I don't need rules. I just need to be. And in being, it's embracing the perfection in someone else. Because I'm not perfect. Grace is tinier than me. I got a problem with that. But that's okay. Because I like to eat. I've always liked to eat. But I don't like working out like Grace works out. I don't, I don't like doing that. Mm. I don't like eating right like you do. <laughs> so maybe See? we can help each other. Maybe we can help each other. <laughs> Come on. Because Grace be hitting them. I, I don't like working out next to Grace. Because Grace will do some stuff. And I'll be like, you got me messed up. And then I'll be doing the same stuff. And then Grace go and do something extra. And I'll be like, you got me messed up. So I have to go do what Grace just did. I'm competitive. And then I wake up the next morning and I can't feel the Lord half of my body. I'm not doing that, okay? And Grace says she don't like to eat healthy and I understand. But I have figured out a way to eat healthy and it tastes good. I got you, Grace. I got you, my friend. Okay, we got each other because I just started this wall Pilates. It ain't no pump, okay? Oh, and yeah. I want to do wall Pilates. Okay. Well, come on. Come I like on working it. out like that. I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> Again, embracing the perfectionist. So I wouldn't have known she was doing wall Pilates. I've been looking at all these apps and everything. I'm like, that looks like I could do that. And I like how her body turned out too. I thought, yeah, I can get rid of a couple of, you know, little extra. I'm just saying. But when it comes to, so when it comes to perfection, perfectionism, there's a few things that you can do because it's a mindset thing. Perfectionism is a mindset thing. So there are a few things that you can do. You can educate and raise awareness. 
you can start raising awareness about the negative effects of perfectionism on mental health and well-being. Like we just talked about several things that that are negative effects of perfectionism. Grace says she don't like feeling stupid. So she gonna be perfect all the time. Mine was an ego thing. And because of that ego thing, I knocked other people's perfection because it wasn't mine. I hurt other people in my perfection because I had to have control. So education and raising the awareness of the negative effects of perfectionism on mental health and well-being, if we start doing that, then we can greatly deal with the inconsistencies of this life. And then another thing we can do is uh, if we promote self-compassion, have compassion for yourself. Every day is a growth process. Every day. Every single daggone day is a growth process. Every day. So have compassion for yourself. Grace says she don't like feeling stupid. So she said from that day on, she's like, I'm not doing that. But if she has compassion for herself, she'll, we would, uh, we, I'm saying we, because we, a lot of us do this. We just don't admit it, but a lot of us don't look, don't like looking stupid in public. A lot of us, go ahead, Grace. You said you had some questions. I don't know if your questions are still there, but that was when Trinae said asked about the, the, uh, the conference. Yeah, no, ma'am. They go. They go. Right. Okay. They go. Oh, thank you. I remember them now. Okay. So how have you, what steps, what steps did you have to take to get to where you are now when it comes to not want to look stupid in front of people? And then when you, when it, when you felt like you look stupid in front of people, it made you angry because you're, you're not that same person. Like you are absolutely not that same person. So what steps did you take to get to where you are now? Hmm. It was the point of repeatedly hearing people tell me, hey, in order to grow, you got to look stupid at one point in time because you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) You got to learn. So, yeah, uh, a baby looks stupid when they're learning to walk. But they don't feel like they're dumb. They just say, okay, let's get back up, do it again, you know. And they just keep going. And it, it was just, you know, the, the constants, every, people on here. So I knew it was sort of saying, hey, it, it, you need to hit us again. It's time for you to hit us again. Hey, in order to, <laughs> you're going to look stupid. In order to, you know, to, to get where you want to go because you're learning how to get there. And, you know, there's no cookie cut away. And even if you do have a plan, their plan not going to always work. And it, 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 so when the, when the, this part of the plan, okay, this part of the plan didn't work. And I'm, as I'm talking, I'm I'm seeing Antonio because you know when we first started, the plan didn't work. It uh, this is what we doing today. In five hours, that plan would have changed. Wait, wait a minute. We just <laughs> he didn't care. <laughs> he didn't care. It's like 
oh no, that didn't work. So we're gonna do this again. And he didn't mind. And he never minds looking stupid because he knows where he's going. And so I, I keep hearing him as well. And I, I heard uh the Renee say it, you know, hey, I gotta look stupid because I gotta, you know, and I'm Hey, Secret to Success listeners, Deanna here. Thank you all so much for joining us. Well, today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. See, NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. Now, how many of you can use some additional information so you can make smarter decisions with your money? It's okay. I'll be the first to raise my hand. Because the nerds have helped me get smarter about things like saving on travel. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night, maybe a a small shopping spree or a fancy dinner or two. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Also, boosting my credit score, since good credit is like a real-life cheat code, seriously, like a real-life cheat code, and then saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It just loves a good plot twist. So listen to Merrick Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It, it was finally starting to click. Hey, you're going to have to. You, it, it's no getting around those. You've got to learn, so. And it's. And now that I think about it in school, when I was learning, I didn't feel I didn't feel stupid when I was learning whatever was being taught. So uh, it, it's it's a, it's a, it is a mind thing. And so if you tell yourself, like if you would if you would tell me something right now, the say, girl, that hat looked like such 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 such. Everybody start laughing. I would feel stupid. I would laugh along with you. But I kind of go inside myself. <laughs> like, oh my God, she just made me feel, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I have to talk to myself. Hey, come on back. It's okay. <laughs> that that was her opinion. You feel like you look good in the hat. You like the hat. Keep rocking the hat. Do whatever. And so and I, I ain't gonna lie. It's gonna, it was. It's gonna take me a minute. Okay. It ain't gonna take me all day. But it's gonna take me a minute. <laughs> but you know. Um. But yeah. That I just had to, you know, really talk to myself and be like, "Hey, come on, it's, you, you, you're gonna keep getting the same thing you get, you got, and you don't like what you, you know, you don't like what you have, so you got to do something different." So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Thank you, thank you very much. You, so what you just said was. 
what I heard was, yeah, this is how I used to feel, but now I'm working on my mindset. And that's their opinion. That's how they feel. But I'm perfectly okay with this hat, with this hairstyle, with these earrings, with this jacket and what I wore today. I think I look flop. Therefore, forget what you say. I'm good. That's what I heard. That's it. Sweet. So you have learned how to have compassion for yourself. You yes. have. I told, yeah. Yeah. Because after years and years of people tell you, here, relax. It ain't that serious. It'll, it'll finally kick in. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And what you did was you challenged unrealistic standards. The, the, the unrealistic standards you put on yourself. You put on yourself to be perfect so you don't look stupid. Yeah. And you started challenging those because you didn't like how you felt. And while somebody may say something to you about it, it still, it still feels some kind of way. But then you'd be like, okay. I acknowledge, yes, you made me feel stupid. I'm acknowledging, no, I don't like how that felt. But you know what? I look damn good today. So forget what you said. I look good. Bump you and your non-stylish self. I'm fine. You had to challenge the unrealistic... <laughs> you had to challenge the unrealistic standards of someone else. And guess what? transcending inconsistency is challenging unrealistic standards perfection it, when you challenge perfectionism you challenge unrealistic standards if we look at the world today there's not even just the world but we can go as close as looking at our parents to them they have realistic standards for us but to us Mama, I love you, but them some damn unrealistic standards you putting on me. Daddy, I love you, but them damn, them damn standards right there, them, them unrealistic. It's not happening with this child, okay? Because we're each individuals. We each have our own individual human experience. And with that, we should all give each other, we should have compassion for ourselves and give each other a break. See, God knew who he created. He knew each and every one of us was a human experience for him. That's why he knows all, because he created all and he is all. But somewhere along the way, we put these human standards on and on a god experience and we're completely destroying it last night antonio said something and it hit me so hard and i'm gonna share it with y'all let me go to my little notes so what he said when he was talking about the God experience and how each of us is different human experiences. 
And so what I caught on to that as an empath, which I think all of us on here are. Grace is. Grace, y'all, Grace is an empath. Hers shows up different, but she's an empath. When y'all hear Grace say my harmony is off, that's that's her telling y'all, hey, my empathic gift is telling me something ain't right. <laughs> Uncle Romy Rome, he's an empath. He just, he just, he mind his business until he can't sit there quiet no more. <laughs> That's what he'd be like, okay. And when he unmute, that means somebody to pulled a little too hard. Yes. <laughs> okay, let me help y'all. <laughs> so as an empath, the gift that we have is we get to experience the different human experiences like God. Think about it. When Miss Adonia feels a certain kind of way, I can feel her human experience. When Miss Susan feels a certain way, I can feel her human experience. And if I get out of my own way, I can feel more than just her human experiences. I can feel it so much so to where it becomes words in my head. And with, and to me, that is the greatest gift and the most exciting thing ever to realize because there's no way that I can stay in a perfectionist mindset and get to experience different human experiences like God. But then what it also made me realize is I'm a human experience that Mr. Field gets to experience that Chef Jay gets to experience, that Uncle Romy Rome gets to experience. So because of that, it makes me reflect on, okay, so what type of experience do I want them to, to feel? Do I want them to feel the pain of a perfectionist? Or do I want them to feel the happiness of a big kid? See, when I went into that mindset, it, it makes you change how you think about things. There's no way I can be a perfectionist if I'm experiencing all of God's experiences. Because nobody is perfect. Because we're all different experiences on purpose. If we were all perfect, life would suck. If we were all perfect, we wouldn't talk to each other. I'm perfect. I don't need to talk to you. I'm perfect. I don't need to share my human experience with you. Do you realize how it breaks down the compassion and the love for society when you're in, when you live in perfectionism? Because if you live in perfectionism, everything else everybody does is wrong to you. And as we have been taught, there is no wrong. There is no right. It just is. Everything Uncle Romy Rome does is right to him. Everything Melissa does is right to her. But if I'm a perfectionist, everything Uncle Romy Rome does is wrong to me. 
And that's not compassion. That's not love. That's that's not elevation. That's not awareness. That is straight. This is my world. But as an empath, we are all human experiences. And I love the human experience that is Uncle Romy Rome. And because I love the human experience that is Uncle Romy Rome, every decision he makes is right. Every decision he makes is perfect. I just get to sit back and experience it. When he feels hurt, I feel his hurt. When he feels joy, I feel his joy. When he feels peace, I feel his peace. I would rather that be the human experience that somebody gets from me. The, the judgmentalness of perfection, the control of perfection. I want to be perfect in allowing people to be themselves. That's the only perfection I want on earth. What I have come to realize is the greatest. The greatest thing on earth is knowing that everybody is just like me. Perfectly imperfect human experiences that hurt like I hurt, think like I think, be happy like I be happy, but in their own way. And I respect and understand and love and have compassion, grace, and mercy for every human experience. What you do unto others, you do unto yourself. Who else has ever dealt with, who else suffers from perfectionism, but is working through it because you understand that that perfect go ahead Trinace. the floor is open I love it and y'all don't have to like wait for me to ask a question or anything or raise your hand just go ahead and you start talking because I'm gonna stop talking trust and believe I will okay, stop so um I am a perfectionist and you know that's just what it is I um noticed that um when I think about it as you were talking and the person at Melinda was talking <laughs> um, when you said B, I had more fun being when I was younger. And although uh, I was a baby perfectionist in my 20s, I'm a big perfectionist, perfectionist now because I've had so many mistakes because I've been responsible for me and other people for such a long, long time that, you know, it have to be perfect because people are depending on you. Now... People aren't really depending on me. People, aka my children who are now adults, they don't depend on me so much. So at this point, I'm processing the point of I can't be perfect. I can only be me. And the more that I'm just being me, the happier I am and the different I interact with people. The other part of that is at work, I am a perfectionist. And a perfectionism comes with, I got to control 
how things operate. And it shows up with, I don't want you to hand me all of your papers, Adam, but at the same time, don't shove your stuff through this window. Give me one piece of paper at a time. I act for this, not act for this, not act for this. And for me, it's controlling how I structure the paper. When I think about it, it's not really that. I want you to do what I tell you to do when I want you to do it, how I want you to do it. I am the paid professional here. You don't know anything. So don't come up here acting like you know everything. That's correct. So that's a part of me bringing the bracelet back. Because I want to go deeper in the stop correcting thing. I've gotten better with it. I've gotten a whole lot better. But some days I slip up. I slip up. So this bracelet is like a reminder. Hey, girl, get it together. If these people want to shove the window, the papers through the window, spray your hands and make that be, let that be the way they have an understanding. Don't shove all the papers through your window. Just spray your hands a whole bunch and then they'll look and then they'll change their mind about it. And don't just don't say nothing. Just look. Just look. Please proceed to. But I definitely can trace the perfection because I'm the oldest child. And my mother made me responsible for a lot of stuff that I should not have been responsible for. And that's created an issue with us. The fact that other people have good relationships with their mother, that's not, that's a point of perfection for me. Gotcha. I thank you so much for sharing because you said something. You, you okay, you said me trying to con it, your perfectionism stems from you trying to control how these people give you give you their stuff. How many of you I'm gonna just raise my hand because I do it too. Like I've I've done it to Grace. I don't think she's caught it, but I used I used to do it to Grace. So you say, well, no, send it to me like this. Because my perfectionism was, well, no, I don't want you to send it to me how it's easier for you. I want you to send it to me how it's easier for me. But that's not fair to Grace. Because now I'm making it unnecessarily harder on grace and i'm having her do extra work all because i don't feel like doing it that way like how many of y'all have done that to somebody like if it's easier for them this way but that's not how you want it because in your perfectionistic brain it's it's easier for you this way yeah i've done it hell i've done it to dawn Okay, so now you're in my area <laughs> because I'm I, because I don't I don't intentionally do it to have people work harder, but that's definitely one of the reasons why I don't ask for help because mm -hmm. I know that I don't know how to do it. Now, if I have learned a certain way, because a lot of the stuff that I've learned. I'll say this, the majority of the stuff that I have learned from this community, I have never done before. So I don't know how to do it. But 
the concern is asking for someone to help me to get it done, but they only know how to do it the way they know how to do it. And I don't know how to undo what they have done because I've grasped it in a certain way outside of what they know how to do. So it makes it difficult for me and that holds me back from asking. Does that make sense? It does it's make not sense. not that I don't <clears throat> want to ask for help. It's that I know that there is a higher ground mm-hmm. and they're there and I'm here where I'm unable to grasp the way <laughs> it's being sent to me. So then it, it may appear as if I'm being a perfectionist or arrogant, but in truth, I'm not. I don't want to make it hard for someone else. Like when Grace sends me stuff, she she breaks it down for me so that I can I can get it done. But that's because I know Grace knows a, a lot about me and she knows that I don't I don't have the know-how like most people do. So it makes it difficult. How do you deal with that? That is a good question because now, Miss Sandra, you are not, that's not perfectionism. What that is, is you've asked people for help. Your motives behind it is, is not on you because that means you've asked people for help and because they didn't understand who you are and how you learn, they just threw stuff at you to make it, they just threw stuff at you to make it easier for them. But how how do you, well? And can I add this? this what you <laughs> no, no. Oh, they ahead. just don't, they just don't do anything. So then I'm sitting waiting and I don't want to get into an aggravated state in their mind where I'm begging, can you, did you send it? Did you, can you win? And that's aggravating, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't want to go there. And if I could get the help to find out how to do it without asking them or begging them, then <laughs> I can do it. But, you know, it's like, it's like standing on quicksand for me. Gotcha. Well, first off, kudos to you for asking Grace for help because Grace is the greatest person you could ask for help because Grace is a teacher. Not not just like what she used to do, but her natural gift is teaching. And because her natural gift is teaching, she understands that everybody learns differently. So she pays attention to how you grasp, like if I've watched Grace do this, she'll send you something. If you ask for something, she'll send it to you. And then she'll listen to responses from you in either a group, a community conversation like we're having now, or in just a personal conversation with her. She'll listen to the things you're saying on, and she's picking up cues on how you learn. So the next time you ask her for something, she's going to send it to you in a way for you to understand. Yeah, Grace, I caught all of that because you've done it to me. You've done it to me. Yep, yep. <laughs> to you, Grace, I so appreciate you. Nobody else ever said it. I'm telling you now, right here in this space where it is flourishing, 
I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. That's real talk. That's why her notes look like they look. Because she she's not taking notes for her. She's taking notes for everybody else. So kudos to you, Miss Sandra, for asking the right person for help. <laughs> First off. And add that she never makes me feel as if I'm less than because I have to ask for the help. She never makes me feel like, <sighs> okay, what is it? And then throw a smile on. Okay, what what can I help you with? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, she don't make Melissa is another one. I, I don't go through that with her. And she's been on the phone with me for hours trying to help me get my stuff straight. And it, it's, it just is what it is. I love this community. Ashe, Ashe. One of the wonderful things about Grace's perfectionism, I'll put it in air quotes on purpose, on purpose, is Grace don't like to feel stupid or feel like she was made a fool of. So she not going to do it to you because she know how that feel and she don't want you to feel the same way. And then she's a natural teacher. So she understands that if you're asking her a question, she has to teach you. So she's going to understand, okay, this is how Missandra learns. Missandra is a visual learner. So let me send her some YouTube videos that show her how to do it. Or Missandra is a verbal learner. So let me get on the phone and walk her through it. So Missandra, how you combat something like that is I'm gonna say this. Some people are just assholes. Um and they don't have the they don't have compassion for others because they don't have compassion for themselves. So they're not going to be patient with you because they're not patient with themselves. They don't understand how they learn, so they're not going to pay attention to how you learn. But the ones that will sit with you that will say, okay, Miss Miss Sandra, how do you learn? Like if they actually ask you, how do you learn? When you ask for help, they'll give it to you how you learn. Like I've actually experienced that before. I, I had someone telling me, yeah, no, I don't learn this way. Like I, I can't do it like this because that's not how I learn. Like if you walk me through it and show me how to do it, I can get it that way. Okay, so that lets me know that you're a visual learner and me sitting here on the phone walking you through something does not work for you. So let's hop on a Zoom call. Let me share my screen and I'll walk you through it that way. But I... But I have to have compassion for, I have to have compassion for other people's process. I have to have compassion for the journey of others. See, Missandra's journey and Grace's journey are two different journeys. Missandra's been on her journey longer than Grace has. But because, uh, because Grace has compassion for others, she has compassion for Missandra's journey and understands that they're in two different places in their journey. And because of that, I need to be a little more calmer and approach Missandra a little more different. Grace has taught 
I don't know how many, and I'm using Grace as an example because she's the perfect example. She's Grace is the perfect example of being a perfectionist, but releasing that perfectionism because her perfectionism was targeted towards herself. She never targeted her perfectionism towards someone else. Me, on the other hand, I pushed my perfectionism onto others because I wasn't perfect. Grace did just the opposite. She was perfect because she didn't like how it felt to do to feel. She didn't like how it felt a certain way when somebody made her feel like feel stupid. So she had compassion for others and didn't want to make anybody else feel stupid. So in her perfectionism, she actually hurt. She hurt herself, but blessed others, if that made sense. But Grace is perfect because Grace. Grace's compassion for others makes her look past the unrealistic standards. And Trinace don't like feeling stupid either. It, it made her look past the unrealistic standards and it made her more open and vulnerable to the emotions of others. So she helped, she she paid attention and and the fact that she is a natural teacher it, it her perfectionism is triggered towards herself like i'm gonna be perfect so i don't look stupid and because i don't want to look stupid when you ask me for help i'm gonna make sure you don't look stupid or feel stupid now grace this is the old grace because grace don't feel this way no more that's the only that's the other only reason i'm using her as an example because <laughs> she don't do this no more grace is okay with being perfectly imperfect because she just told us she likes how it feels when she's learning and she can't learn if she's if she's being perfect she can't learn grace has normalized mistakes for herself I ain't nowhere near it, Grace. So kudos to you. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I have not normalized that. But perfection, perfectionism hurts. It hurts us. It hurts, it hurts others. So if we can provide resources for others, because perfectionism, perfectionism causes all kinds of mental issues, anxieties, stress. I bet you the most stressed person in the world is the biggest perfectionist. I'll raise my hand first. <laughs> so I'll raise my hand first. But when you engage in a dialogue with others, and when you engage in a dialogue with self, you acknowledge that you're going through this, that you'll see you're not alone. One of, our, who, one of our biggest rules here is no one suffers alone. And I get that now. Because if I'm suffering alone, I think I'm the only one. But when I go to Uncle Romy Rome and I say, Uncle Romy Rome, I'm stressing so much today. Like, 
I have this and that and this and that and this and that, and I don't know how I'm going to do it. And Uncle Roman Roman be like, girl, look, let me tell you something. I love you. You know I love you. You know I love you. But I got this, 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 and this. So we in the same boat. So what are we going to do about it? Because you're not alone. I'm be like, dang. And Uncle Roman Roman going to break some stuff down to me. I'm going to be sitting here like, dang. Shoot, Uncle Roman Roman got more on his plate than me. Why am I tripping? <laughs> it's like, you know, he got to provide. He take care of his wife. He got, you know, crazy siblings, you know, acting up. You know, he he got he got to deal with this and this and, and that and that. And I'm over here sitting because I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to eat today. How dare I? Stress. But if I was suffering alone, I would have never known what Uncle Romy Rome was going through because I never shared with him for him to share with me to tell me, girl, you blessed, living your blessings. Because I'm living in mine regardless of what's going on. I would have never received that message. And I would have, and my stress would have turned to anxiety. Anxiety would turn into something else. I would start stress eating and going to get ultimate cheeseburgers every other day. And you know what? It's just not healthy. <laughs> it is just not healthy. So that's why you don't suffer alone. A lot of perf perfectionism leaves you in your darkness. It really does because if you're perfect, nobody's supposed to know that you're imperfect. So you don't talk about it. And the greatest the greatest thing, the greatest trick of who we refer to as the devil is to isolate you, make you think you're the only one. And once that happens, you then got God. And when, and that's what, and Antonio used to tell me that. And I used to be like, I used to be like, well, that's not true. But think about it. When something hits you hard and you don't know what to do, what's the first thing you do? You isolate yourself. You stop talking to people. You become a hermit. You spend you you spend all your time at home. You don't get out. You don't. And we need other people to survive. Okay. <laughs> what, Miss Andre? Okay, but what if you reaching out to people and they isolate you? They make the people for you. Those are not the people for you. See, I know. Sorry, I had to pause. I was about to say something. I was like, no, don't say that. I know people that if I reach out to them and tell them anything about what I'm going through, my life, period, just the, the experiences that I'm having, the, the challenges that I'm going through, and even the things that I'm looking, the positive things I'm looking to do in the future, they would isolate me. They would isolate me because they 
have no compassion to what I'm doing. They can't think past what they're currently doing and they're still stuck in their programming. But I know that if I call Miss Adonia and I say, this is what I'm going through. This is what's happening. And I don't want to do nothing. She will pull me out of my isolation with her energy because of the type of person she is, her heart, and the fact that we are like-minded individuals. Because we're not suffering alone, she's been there, done that. So she's going to tell me, hey, because we're like-minded, I've been there, I've done that, don't do this take you a shower, get out the house, even if it's just to go for a walk, get out of the house. Get out of my bedroom. (laughs) Deanna, I almost felt like we were actually going through it. That's how so real and so absolutely correct you are because I've been there. My dad had to pull me out. And my dad is a very strong Antonio Smith-like person that does not be very emotional at all. But when he felt that about me, he snatched me. And when I say snatched me, not physically, but literally, he snatched me mentally and said, don't you ever suffer by your ever. I mean, and I mean stern, not, oh, poor baby. It was, if I ever have to have this conversation with you again, it won't be a good one. I mean, because I I felt his fear and, and sorrow for me, but he's not an emotional person. So he did it in a different manner, snatched me right out of it. So ooh, I felt that. Sorry, I feel I feel him right now. His birthday's coming too. So I think that's part of it. But I ooh, that was strong because ooh, and it's 129,000% accurate. Sorry. I just oh, I had to say that. Sorry. Don't, My God. don't, don't apologize. He hugging you. Sorry. <laughs> He's hugging you. Um, so Miss Sandra, when you ask for help and when you reach out, thank Miss Adonia. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. I love you, Miss Adonia. When you ask for help, Miss Sandra. And when you reach out to someone, you reach out to someone in your community. That's the importance of a community. Because when you reach out to them other people, they're not going to have compassion for you. But when you reach out to people in your community, they get it. They understand no matter what gender. Miss Sandra, you can reach out to Uncle Romy Romy, he going to get it. You can reach out to Mr. Phil, he going to get it. And then Uncle Romy Rome can reach out to Miss Susan and she gonna get it. (laughs) Mr. Phil can reach out to Trinace and she gonna get it because we're like-minded individuals. And And that's the importance of community. That's the importance of what we, what we're all doing here today. That strong friend, that's why that friend is strong. Because that friend has been through it and understanding, and that friend understands not suffering alone. I 
me and my brother have a great relationship. Like, that's my ace. He was my ride or die before I met Grace. <laughs> and he still lives to this day. And when he and I talk, as we got older, like my brother used to make me cry because he used to tell me so much. And I would understand, I could understand what he was going through so much. But then as he got old, and I would talk to him. And then as he got older, he would come back to me. And he's like, man, I understand this now. Man, I understand that now. And now it's to a point where he regurgitate the stuff I tell him. And I'd be like, ain't nobody asked you to tell me what I told you. But then he also... He also he he also goes within himself now and he has conversations with himself. But I even told him, I'm here. I understand you may not feel like talking, but I'm here. So please don't suffer by yourself because you're not by yourself. Just like I tell Grace, me and her the same. I used to tell my brother all the time, me, you the same person. You just a dude. That's the only difference between me and you. You is a dude. So when you're going through something, talk to me. And also, because we're the same person, I know when to just send him a random text message to say, hey, I love you and I'm proud of you. Because every now and then we need to hear that. Every now and then we just need someone to tell us I'm proud of you. I love you. You doing great. Because when we're suffering alone and we hear that, I'll speak for myself. When I'm suffering alone and I hear that, that lets me know that I can reach out to that person. That person is a safe person. So I don't have to suffer alone. And then when I ask questions like, hey, you okay today? That lets that person know this person is open. So I can not suffer alone with this person. Again, what I said earlier, one of the greatest gifts to me now, because I used to think it was a curse, but now after last night, the greatest gift to me is being an empath. Because I get to experience all of God's experiences. I get to experience, I'm sorry, Antonio is sending me a message. I get to experience God's experiences like him. So now guess what else? I get to genuinely say no one suffers alone. And I get to let you know, hey, you're not suffering alone. You can talk to me. If you get a random text message, that means I tapped into your human experience and you needed to hear that everything's okay and you're perfect. I needed to tap into you. I, I, I needed to tap into your human experience and say, hey, you okay this morning? Everything all right? How are you this morning? Because I don't just randomly, I don't... I don't do the gen, the the general, hey, so how you doing? How's your day going? No, 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 no. If I'm asking you that question, 
and I don't talk to you like that, that means I have tapped into your human experience and have realized and felt that, oh, my friend Grace needs a hug today. So let me hug her through my words. Like yesterday, and and God, oh my God, God is absolutely wonderful. I was in Walmart yesterday. And th- this is this is perfection. This is leaving, this is leaving perfectionism. This is working through perf- perfectionism. My phone died. I, yes. <laughs> It didn't feel right. <laughs> like mine did last night on Path Pathbender. I was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 when I tell you, Massandra, it it would die. It, like it just went dead. And then I would turn it on. It was at six percent. Turn it off. Turn it back on. It was at like seven. Mind you, when I got out the vehicle to go into Walmart, I was at seventy nine percent. By the time I got to the front door of Walmart, I was at sixty nine percent. Then I called Antonio and I was talking to Antonio and I got a phone with Antonio and the phone just damn died. That part, because I made sure my phone was charged because I'm I was able to leave early yesterday, so I made sure that my phone was being charged while I was still at work. But when I got there to the house, it, how, why? I mean, it was on 100%. And because I was, I, I, I gotten into this, this frustrating, stressed energy. My grandmother, the one I talk to y'all about all the time, the one that said, you ain't if if you worried about was how the dirt how dirty your house is that that grandmother i heard her say something i heard her say something and i looked up and it was her and when i hugged her so hard y'all she said okay baby i can't breathe <laughs> but if i was in my perfectionism I would have never seen her and I would have never gotten the hug that I needed. If I was suffering alone, I would have never, that experience would not have happened. So So that's that's why your phone did that. Mm. That's why certain things happen um, like that. So that you can experience a person or experience an event. Right. Or sometimes you may call to check on somebody because they may have come across your mind like I do. And I can't call. I can't get no calls through. So I'm going to call somebody and call somebody and call somebody. So I call different people. And then I can't get on the phone with nobody. I'm like, well, damn, I guess I ain't supposed to talk to nobody then. So that means that I'm supposed to be maybe meditating or maybe praying or doing something else. Nothing happens. That's that's how I feel about something like that. I do not use. I don't like all the time being an empath. I do not. Um, just because I think people take advantage of the fact that I care for you. You ran. You randomly came across my mind and I called you, or I stopped by your house, and then that makes makes 
a person feel, and I'm just generalizing, maybe it makes them feel like, well, I got to call her because if I don't call her, she go call me then a certain amount of time. So that um, is kind of, I don't know. I think it, it makes people take advantage of you when you, um, they know that you care for them. They know that somebody cares for them like nobody else cares for them. Because that's what we do. We care for people the way that nobody else cares for them. And that's tough when nobody is caring for you at that same level. Nobody takes you into consideration at the same level. Right. Does it make me stop? No, because I'm in here making coffee <laughs> for office that I don't always agree with some of the people. Mm-hmm. That don't stop me, but it makes it infuriates me to come in here. Y'all didn't fill the ice maker up. Y'all didn't fill the Keurig up. I just came in here, you know, the, the coffee maker's still on. And there's no coffee in the pot. Hmm. So, I, I, there are things that I like about being an empath. There was somebody at the office, her father died. And she was gone for a long period of time. And when she came back, she wasn't herself, but I felt her when she came through the door the week before last, when my back was turned. I felt her energy coming through the door. And the closer she got to me, the more I could feel it. Mm-hmm. And when I hugged her, I cried. So that I don't, I don't particularly care for all of that. Don't cry at my window. Do not cry on my phone. All of that. So that um, that makes me put up a wall and where people may see it as she mean, I'm not mean. I'm just trying to protect myself from your emotion because I don't want to feel that emotion all the time because then I can't think. Yeah, that does happen. I felt Miss Adonia. That's why I was like... <laughs> It wasn't negative. It was just I I felt her experience at that time. So, yeah. You randomly text messaged me the other day and I responded to you like last week. Wait, say it again. I say, I think that was you to randomly text message me last week. And I was like, I don't know who this is, but I'm going to respond. It could have been. <laughs> it could have been. <laughs> It could have been. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as you see, Mr. Antonio T. Smith Jr. has joined us because he has something he would like to show us. So I'm going to go ahead and pass it on over to him. So the floor is yours, Mr. Smith. Yeah, well, y'all, uh, just want to get your conference tickets, okay? Get your, get your conference tickets. Be, be like Jerome. You understand? Be like Jerome. Just want to show y'all how the conference starts off and I'll move out. Oh, hold on. Is it showing? Yeah, it's a TV transportation. 
Once upon a twilight in a time neither here nor there, I was birthed by the universe cradled in cosmic care. Emerged from a womb of creation, a bundle of dreams and despair, steeped in a cauldron of stardust, my soul was as vast as it was bare. My heart bled compassion, my vision as fast as the sea, yearned to be the lighthouse guiding humanity free. In every tear, every sorrow, I saw an opportunity to heal, to soothe, to bring forth unity. I traveled through time, strumming chords of change. My voice echoed through the valleys across every mountain range. But the world, it was a symphony filled with notes so strange, an orchestra of souls, each playing their own exchange. And in my quest to heal, to mend the world from its ragged seams, I began to lose myself, started unraveling at the beams. My spirit frayed at the edges, warm thin like a pair of old jeans. My dreams of a healed world, now silent movie scenes. I stood at the edge of the abyss, teetering on the brink, staring into the void, into the cosmic ink. My heart ached, my spirit trembled, began to sink. In the silence of the night, I couldn't help but think, was it all for naught? Did my dreams hold any worth? Was I but a mote of dust in the universe's hearth? I cried out to the cosmos, my voice full of mirth. Have I lost myself, trying to birth a new earth? Then from the abyss a whisper began to rise. A symphony of stars, a chorus in the skies. Antonio, oh Antonio, it began to harmonize. You've not lost yourself. Open your eyes. You are the universe experiencing itself. You are not just a book on the cosmic shelf. Your existence, your being, it's wealth itself. You've already saved the world by being just yourself. My tears became stardust, my sorrow began to fade. My spirit began to heal, my frayed edges began to jade. I realized the truth, it wasn't about the world I had made, but the love, the compassion, the connections I had laid. I was not lost, but found in the echo of existence. My role was not just to change, but to offer resistance, to hate, to fear, to endless distance that separated hearts to bridge their persistence in the grand cosmic tapestry i was not just but a thread yet without me the universe was as good as dead i smiled my heart filled with a newfound stand i had not lost myself i was the world instead Okay, so you want to you do it like that? Wow. Okay, you want to do it like that? Come on. Get your conference tickets. That's all I'm going to say. Get your conference tickets. Go ahead. You got it back. With that being said, you can't plan better. You can't dominate. Hey. <laughs> get it now when they're $49. In two weeks, they go up to $97. Yes. Get, the, get them now. Yes. Get the video for life. Now it's Friday. So for those of you who are part of the gaming class, we'll see you first thing in the morning at 8 a.m. For those of you who are not in the gaming class, thank you so much for joining us. You can play it better. You can dominate. We will see you all Monday morning. Love you all and have an amazing weekend. Love you more. Love you more. <laughs>
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.